0: Skull the podcast, only available on the GoLoud app. You are listening to Spinner Skull with me, Louise, and I am so delighted and excited to introduce our next guest, an Irish legend, a man who has achieved so much in his career, a writer, an author, a creative, a man who has carved out an incredible career for himself in English, and once even beat J.K. Rowling to a book publication deal. Darren Shan, thank you so much for joining us on Spin Southwest. My
1: pleasure. Thanks, Louise.
0: How does it feel to be called the master of horror?
1: That was a term my publishers came up with. I always like to stick a YA in there if they're going to use it. Master of YA horror, maybe, but I mean the true master of horror is Stephen King. i brought in Stephen King um, in the nineteen eighties, and I'm such sort a of big fan of him now. And yeah, there's no doubt, and he is the true master. But um, I hope, I hope I can do something for younger readers what he does for the older ones.
0: Darren, you've had such a successful career in English. Let's just, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about your journey in education, what you thought of English as a subject in school. I know that you're from Limerick, obviously. You went to national school in Eskeaton out in West Limerick. You continued into secondary school in Copswood and Palace Was English a subject you always loved in school?
1: It was. I mean, I wanted to be a writer since a very, very young age. Um, So I was five or six years of age and as I uh, moved into my teens, that love of writing intensified. I loved reading, I loved making up stories. Uh, I always loved in English when we had an assignment to write a short story, you know, that was where, where I excelled, because I was quite a lazy student, I must admit, most of the time, and it wasn't too often that I'd be getting high grades, but usually uh, when it came to write a story, I was off. I, I always loved the challenge, I loved using my imagination, I'd, of, I'd, of, I'd often put my friends or teachers into stories, and I, normally i try and make my friends laugh back in school, especially in, in my early teens. It was, you know, you couldn't really get away with the grisly stuff that I write in my novels. I'd have been kicked out. I, was, I nearly got kicked out a couple of times at schools for writing inappropriate material. But, um, yeah, it was something I always really enjoyed. I found I could um, get an emotional reaction from readers, so whether it was laughter. I could get an, a reaction and people would buy into the stories and I could play with their emotions and... Yeah, that, that was really, really something exciting for me. You can, always, you can see when when you write um, as a full-time writer, it, you don't get to see the reaction from your readers, really. You meet them at events and at sign-ins and you get back feedback from them. But you never really get to see a story working. Whereas if, you, whereas if you're in school and it's short stories and you read them out to a class or your, your friends, you actually have a very, very unique opportunity to see when a story is working or when it isn't. So um, yeah, I think it was very, very... And a very important stage for me uh, at school when I was writing stories for English.
0: You love English so much. You speak about your love of reading when you were quite young. You read an awful lot. Your mom was a teacher. So I'd imagine you had lots of books and access to books at home. Can you remember what it was like studying English in school? Was there ever a teacher or even in secondary school, an English teacher that you thought, this is my tribe, like this is where I belong in this English class? Or was it more so something that you developed in your own home, in your own time, outside of school?
1: It was was more in my own time. Um, My main secondary school teacher was this lovely guy called Father Donlan. He died quite a few years back now. Um, And he, he he was quite old, even in my day when I was there. And um, I always, I always remember one thing he said to me one day, when I wrote a short story because um, he was a very, very different generation to mine. And he, he, he gave it back, and he said, "Darren, it's probably very, very good, but I can't really understand it." So he was always very encouraging. He was always very. I, I met him after I left Copsford years later. I mentioned him in an article I wrote for um, a, a magazine for TES, I think, and he was very chuffed to be mentioned. He was really, really important to me. I, I got a huge amount out of him, but in terms of being directly involved in my writing, it wasn't something he could do because yeah, that wasn't his thing. But I, I learned a huge amounts about English from him. I always remember it. I'll leave inserts, Our play was King Lear and we went through King Lear. It's my favourite Shakespeare play. I think if I come to it without Father Donlan guiding me through it, it would be a long, baffling play as it is for many people. But um, He went into it in so much detail. and He really loved it. He brought it alive for us. And yeah, I, I, I learned things I've probably forgotten now, but which are in there driving me forwards um a lot of writing is subconscious a lot of things you learn in school you won't necessarily remember consciously in later years but they are all there providing the foundations where we can go with them yeah so if, you were, if you were to ask me about grammar i, I actually i do on, online quizzes quizzes on my phone and i had a question yesterday or something about it was a grammar question and i got it wrong <laughs> um I, I do know it's in my head somewhere but you know, i can't bring it to the surface. But yeah, when I do write stories, everything is grammatically perfect because I did all the grammar in school. It was drummed into us. And that's in there. Um, So, yeah, it's very, very crucial, I think, to everything I've done since then.
0: We spoke a few weeks ago to Stephanie Prisner. She is an author and a writer here in Ireland. You may have heard of her. She spoke really openly about how in school she was never encouraged to write short stories. And a lot of the time, teachers kind of tell students, avoid short stories. You won't have enough time. You're not creative enough. Write the essay. Wrote, learn it. And maybe they curb students' creativity a little bit. Was that ever an issue for you in school?
1: Yes, it was. Um, you were able to write a short story when I was in Believe in Cert, but... You know, there weren't a lot of options to do it and you weren't really openly encouraged to do it. And I can understand why, because your teacher tried to prepare you to come in to the league to every exam with the information you need to get the grade you want. I can, I can always remember, actually, in, um, in my uh, leave insert English paper, I think it was two papers, whichever one of them, you got to write your creative bits. I, just, I made a story up in there and just completely from start to finish. The sort of confidence only a teenager could have. You know, these days I'll spend a few years sometimes playing around with an idea, teasing it out, working it all out uh, before I even, I, I even started to write. You know, back then I, I went in, I read through the topics, I just picked one, and I, I literally just made up. It, it was a science fiction story I just made up and flew by the seat of my pants. It's hard because creativity doesn't really care about results. You can't measure creativity. And it, it's difficult in the school environment because obviously, even more so now than it was in my day, it's all about the marks you get, the grades you get, and everything's measured. Every, and, you know, some things in life can't be measured. You know, I was a very average student. You know, if you were to go back 35 years ago, whatever it was I was in school, and you were to go for the class and pick out, you know, the ones who were going to be the movers and shakers going forwards, I would have been very far at the back because, you know, it, it never interested me. I loved, I loved the creative world. For me, life wasn't about the pursuit of money. And, you know, when I left school, I went to university for a few years. I had a job for a couple of years. I been in my early 20s, I, I started writing full time. Never expected to make much money out of it, but that's what I loved doing. It's what I wanted most for life. And um, it's difficult when you're a teenager because there are all these forces come to bear on you, all these pressures to get the, the marks, to do, go to the right colleges and universities and do the right things. Yeah, it's a very small part of your life. I always say to teenagers... And it's a very important part of your life but you know if you don't get the grades you want if you don't end up in the course you want don't worry about it you, know, you can always go back as a mature student in your mid-twenties go and enjoy life, yeah, chase your dreams don't be afraid to fail you can fail in life You yeah? know we can bounce back from failures very often you learn from your failures as a writer, failure is crucial you have to write bad stories to learn to write good stories you have to get negative feedback to realise how you can work your stories to make them stronger you have to fail. You have to fall off a bike to learn how to ride a bike. And hopefully your listeners won't fail on their leaving cert now. But I'm saying if it does happen, it's not the end of the world.
0: You were so set on being a writer from a young age. You never had any diversion. You never thought you'd go down another career path. When you were in your leaving cert and you were filling out your CAO, were there people who said to you, ah, Jesus, you'll never make it. You know, that real Irish attitude that's like, sure, what kind of a job as a writer? You get no salary there. A writer isn't a real career. What was what was your experience with that?
1: Everybody tells you you're going to fail when you're starting out. You know, it's very hard for people to think of you as a successful author or a successful singer or a successful actor. If that's where your heart lies in that sort of creative, left of field sort of world. It's very, very difficult for people who know you and you've seen you growing up to believe you're going to make it. And it is very, very difficult to make it. You know, I always said to young writers, look, the chances of being financially successful are very, very slim. You know, when I was wrote Certain Freak*, I was living at home with my parents. I was drawing the doll. I was in my mid-twenties. You know, a, by all measurable extensive purposes, I was a big failure. I was in my mid-twenties. I had no money. I was getting £25 a week on the doll. But I was writing every single day. And I loved it. And for me, that was the important thing. I always say, but you've got to be realistic. I, When I became, started writing full-time, I knew the chances were that I wouldn't make much money. My goal was to try and be able to make minimum wage. If I was able to just not have to go back on the dole, I would have been delighted. Yeah, you know, I got I got lucky, I caught a wave, sort of frequent crazy, and you know, I got into this dream territory. It's not all about the money. So just you just got you just got to go for it. Be aware of the pitfalls of failure. And for me, I didn't mind that. You know, living at home with my parents, drawing the dole. That was they favourite sacrifices I was prepared to make in pursuit of my dream. What you don't want to do is go into chasing a dream thinking or assuming you're going to get it and being disappointed if it doesn't work out the way you want it to most actors don't make much money most singers don't make much money it's not always about the money it's about the feeling you get it's about the buzz you get from life you know one day we're all going to be on deathbed and we're going to be looking back and you're going to ask yourself the question am i happy with the life i've led and it doesn't matter how much money you've made and what big house you own and what big car you drive if you haven't had satisfaction doing the job you've been doing for 40, 50 years, you're going to be an unhappy bunny on that deathbed. we are all going in a way, but you'll be more <laughs> happy than most.
0: Yeah, it's true, though, not having that regret, I guess, you know, backing yourself to go for something if you think it's for you. You went on, Darren, after school to study English in university. I know that you moved to the UK and you studied there. Do you think that that was an important part of your journey to success as a writer? Or was it just a stepping stone and you kind of did it because that's what people did after their leave insert?
1: Mostly it was that because that's what people did. Well, there were two reasons. One, you know, my parents wanted me to do that and, you know, I wanted to keep them on the side. And also, yeah, you know, it was, it was nice, you know, the idea of going in for three years, not having to work or doing this thing. Um, yeah, I was studious in a, a lazy way. And I, I actually found university very, very enjoyable. Um, I did English and sociology and I read loads of cool books in English i also learned a lot of things from sociology that fed into my storytelling and how I've written my books. Um, in my vampire series, I approached it almost from an anthropological point of view. So if you want to be a writer, you don't have to go and do a writing course. But I think even in some ways, I think you're better off if you don't do that. If you go and study sociology or psychology or plumbing or anything, you will find things you can bring in and weave into your stories. Life is about experiencing, and sometimes you will learn things in places but you don't think you're ever going to learn anything that will be of use to you. And you never know. Um, sometimes you can go to university, study for three years, and it ends up having nothing to do with what you do the rest of your life. I have one path in life, life of being an author. But they're all different paths, and it can be fun to tread more than one.
0: You strike me as such a humble person, Darren. You're, you're not one to be in the limelight. But you have been outrageously successful worldwide. Like you mentioned Cirque to Freak kind of being that initial skyrocket. Do you remember getting that break? Do you remember the moment that you kind of had that pinch me like I've actually made it?
1: Yeah, um, well, Cirque to Freak, uh, when I wrote Cirque the Freak, I sent to my agent and he loved it. And he was happy to be J.K. Rowling's agent as well, which was just getting going at the time. So um, he sent it off to 20 different publishers in the UK to try and get a bidding war going so we can get the best uh, offer we could. And all twenty turned it down. Nobody wanted to touch it with a barge pole. Um, and I, I was a bit stunned by this. My agent was a bit stunned as well. And um, I can remember I, I actually I, I, my mother was still teaching in a at the time in the primary school. So I made some photocopies and sent it back with her to give out to some children back there with a questionnaire to try and get some feedback, just to see you know did kids hate this as much as the publishers did. Um, they were all really positive, and my agent worked behind the scenes, and he managed to get one, one publisher, Harper Collins, interested. And after a lot of humming and hawing, and I did a few rewrites, they took it on. And I remember that I got the letter. Which was in, I didn't have a computer with internet, I in those days. I couldn't afford it. So um, I got a letter in the post telling me that Sir The Freak had been bought. And on that day, I, it was the one time in my life when I've had a real Hollywood punch the yeah air moment, because I knew, even though it wasn't a very big advance, with the money I got for the first book, the adult book, it meant the next year I could come off the dull. And that for me was a huge thing. Of, you know, for one year at least, I knew I could be self sufficient. I wasn't even making minimum wage. Um, I didn't know it lasted any longer than that. So far, it's been, you know, 24 years and counting. I've been very, very fortunate. But, yeah, it was that moment when I managed to sell a certain freak. After it had been dead and buried, you know, I should have just let go. But I just sensed something in there. My agent sent something in there. Luckily, it got out into the world and we were we were proved right.
0: I might just ask you one more Leaving Cert-related question, and that is a little bit of advice for aspiring authors, aspiring creatives, writers, someone who really wants to transition into the arts when they finish school and make a break for it, because, you know, it is a tough industry, but it's not impossible. What is your advice to those students, Darren?
1: The key thing, and it's the only thing you have to do, is write. There's no magic involved. The more you write, the more you learn, the better you get. You've probably, by the end of your Leaving Cert, been taught everything you really need to be taught. You know, if you go, if you decide to go to university and do a writing course or do English, yeah, you'll get some useful things from those. But all the skills you're going to need to be a writer, you now have at your disposal. The rules of grammar, even if you don't remember them like I don't all these years later, they're in there. King Lear, how King Lear works, you know, how, how it hits the points, how Shakespeare was brilliant at, you know, building up a story of working it all together, weaving the plot lines and characters all into one piece. You, you've actually learned everything you need to know. What you don't have is the experience. And that's what every writer needs. The more you write, the more you learn, the better you get. You write bad stories, you learn from mistakes. Next time around, you write something a little bit better. Everyone develops at different speeds. Some I developed really, really, early. In my mid-20s is when I got my first book deal. Most writers are in their 30s or even 40s before they manage to sell their first book. Um, you might be quick out of the blocks. You might be a tortoise. But if you keep writing and you keep putting the work in, you will develop, you'll see yourself developing get better and better and better. And that's what you need. It's all about the work you can put in. And the more work you can put in, the quicker you will develop. But set yourself aside a little bit of time and make yourself write during that time. Don't sit there thinking. Don't sit there planning books. Do your planning when you're not writing. Those couple of hours or so wherever, whatever time you set aside sit down and actually just write for that time period. If it's one hour, write spend that hour writing. If it's two hours, spend those two hours writing. And if you do that it will build up and it will build up and the skills come doing.
0: Brilliant. Such brilliant advice. And I know that so many students tuning in are going to be so grateful that you've taken the time, Darren, as well, to chat to us. We really are so grateful and we appreciate it so, so much. Um, on a personal level for you, what are you looking forward to? Have you got some work in progress? Can we expect a new Darren Shan book in the near future?
1: Yeah, um, I actually, start, I started a new series last year called Archibald Locks. Um, it's a big departure for me because it's fantasy, not horror. It's, it's been getting a good, really good reaction. Uh, I released three books last year, which formed the first volume. with will be three volumes in total, and the next three books in volume two will be coming out this summer. Uh, a team in the UK are trying to develop a zombie TV series, so hopefully we'll see that at some point. And the rights for *Serpent Freak* have reverted to us as well. So there's now a team in the USA working on it, again trying to develop uh, a Cert Freak* TV series. They're both in, both things are still in the early stages, but there are writers attached, doing good work, and hopefully. We'll see it. You know, they'll get someone like Netflix or HBO or Sky or BBC or whoever involved. And hopefully, in a couple of years' time or so, we'll see the vampires rise again.
0: Incredible. Well, look, the master of horror has said it. You are just such an icon here in Limerick and in Ireland and further afield. And we are so grateful that you've taken the time to chat to us on Spin Air Skull. So, Gramila Mahagat, and thank you so, so much.
1: My pleasure, Louise. Thanks a lot for talking to me.
0: Spin Air Skull, the podcast, only
1: available on the GoLoud
0: app.